Uh, how is everybody? Doing great? He is risen. I was uh, beginning of the first service during worship. I, I had this memory. I hadn't planned to tell the story, but I remember a couple of years ago, I, uh, I think it was the Saturday before Easter, and I, had, I was walking through our neighborhood, just taking a walk through the neighborhood, and I rounded a corner, and uh, I saw an elderly gentleman in his uh, front yard, just kind of, you know, putzing around in the yard. And, um, you know, he looked up, and I looked at him, our eyes connected, and I said, how you doing? And without any... Um, pause at all, he said, well, I'm on the right side of the ground. <laughs> and it, it like took me a while to realize what language is he speaking? What, what is he saying to me? And then I got the idea, you know, at the most basic level, this man was practicing thanksgiving and gratitude for the reality of life, that he was just literally on, on the right side of the ground. And, you know, it's one of those experiences. I, I walked away. We didn't talk much more after that. I just said, yeah. <laughs> You know, and um, <laughs> but I, I walked away. I mean, honestly, I had a little bit more spring in my step. I realized now that's just reality. You know, it, it is just good to be alive. Not always easy, but good to be alive. And I think it, it came to me this morning because I'm realizing that the good news that we celebrate today, I mean, the culmination of the core of our faith with the, the, the perfect life of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross to cleanse our sins and pay for our Uh, debts before God, and then the resurrection of Jesus. Praise God, Jesus was on the right side of the ground. He's not in the tomb. We don't go to a place and worship bones or see relics. We worship a, a Savior that's risen, who literally defeated death. And because Jesus is on the right side of the ground, we too have a chance to be on the right side of God's mercy on the right side of God's love, not just in this life, but eternally. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, I just, you know, spent the week reading through all the accounts in the Gospels of the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, it's interesting. There are a lot of different emotions that people have when they realize that the tomb is empty. Even before they see Jesus, there are a lot of different emotions. The Bible describes, I don't know, 16, 17 different things that people feel and what they do when they realize that the body was gone. The, the crucified man is not found in the tomb. But reading through it, I realized that all of the emotions can really be categorized into three categories. Number one, some people were afraid. They're just fearful. What does this mean? What does this mean about the one that we thought might be the Messiah? Or in some cases, what does this mean about the one that we murdered? So there was fear because the the tomb was empty. And for some people, it was wonder. You know, even the, the we'll read from the Gospel of Mark today and the, the women went away and they were they were trembling. And it says they wondered because they didn't really know what does this mean? And then for some people, they were just simply filled with joy because everything that they had hoped and believed about Jesus turned about out to be true because he conquered death. And so I'm going to ask you this morning as we uh, just spend the next 20 or 25 minutes in the, in the scripture to be honest with yourself and with God and just sort of discern, where are you? Are you here this morning a little fearful? Like, wow, what if all this stuff about Jesus that people are telling me, the stuff I read, the stuff I wonder about, what if it's true? What does it mean? 
you might be here this morning and fearful like, you know, if that's true, if he gave himself for me, then I've got something I need to do. Or maybe you're afraid of what will God want from me if I give myself to him? Or maybe you're in that place of, of wonder and you're just wondering, you know, I, I want to find God or I want to be found by God or I want something more than my life is giving right now, but I don't know the next step. You're a, you're a seeker. You're on the journey. Um, or, or maybe you just are filled with joy because there was a time when you knew that you knew that you knew that G- Jesus had risen and not just died and rose again for the world, but for you specifically. And your heart was filled with joy. I just want you to be open with where you are this morning. And, um, and I'm just so thankful for people in all of those categories that are here. Because as we sang in the song, you know, we're a broken, we're an imperfect people. But we serve a perfectly whole and holy God who reached out to us through Jesus. And he longs to be with us. So I want to uh, read this text from Mark chapter 16 and, um, and pull out a couple of things from it. I think God would say to us this morning. Why don't you stand and we'll read uh, the account of the resurrection written by Mark. This is Mark chapter 16 and verses 1 through 7. And this is the word of God. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for uh, the reality of our redemption, the freedom offered and given and received Because Jesus is not in the tomb, but he's risen. And I ask now, God, that uh, you would send your Holy Spirit among us. That same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead. That same spirit that uh, inspired the writers of the Bible to reveal the truth about how God and man can be together. We ask that that spirit would come and fill our hearts, whether we're fearful or wondering or longing again for joy. We ask God that you do the work this morning that only you can do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I want to look at the scripture and I want to pull out from the text, really just from a few verses of the text this morning, three very practical but real-life implications of the resurrection of Jesus. This is the day we celebrate that uh, the unbelievable happened, that Jesus rose from the dead. What does it mean for us? What are the implications? And first, I see the resurrection means loss and sorrow can be transformed. The resurrection of Jesus means that loss and sorrow can be transformed, can be redeemed. 
There's probably no one in here this morning who hasn't been or experienced in their life some loss, some sorrow. Some of you feel it right away when I say it. You oh, I don't want to be reminded. But the reality of Jesus' uh, resurrection means that sorrow and loss, pain, can be transformed and redeemed. It doesn't mean that sorrow and pain go away. I mean, um, these, uh, these women who, um, who lived, walked with Jesus, who saw him crucified, who then came to the tomb and he was gone, obviously there was still loss and sorrow after they realized he was alive. I mean, just read the accounts of the disciples. You know, after Jesus ascends into heaven, it's not like their, their lives are without loss or sorrow. I mean, they go through the ringer. But the resurrection of Jesus means that loss and sorrow can be redeemed. It can be transformed. Because if Jesus, as it were, put death to death, that means that all of the terrible things, the loss, the sorrow, the pain in our lives, can be redeemed. That resurrection hope is actually possible on this side of heaven. I believe that, not just because the Bible says it, because it's my personal experience. <clears throat> I mean, these women, they loved and believed in Jesus. They, they were looking to Jesus as maybe the one. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one that would change their lives forever. Maybe this was the one that, you know, the Old Testament prophets had, had spoken about. Maybe this is the Messiah, the anointed one the one that would specifically be sent by God to, uh, to take back the world from the hands of the devil, to bring release to the captives, freedom, sight to the blind. They had hoped, and yet um, they watched this one on whom they'd set their hopes be destined to death. They watched his body be crushed. They watched when um, blood and water poured out of his side. I mean, Mary Magdalene, one of the Marys here, um, the, the Bible in another place actually says that this is the one whom Jesus drove seven demons out of. And just to let you know, um, seven demons being driven out is not just an interesting way of saying they had a very powerful counseling session. Okay? And she went away with a better self-esteem, you know? What we're talking about is a woman who, uh, who was demonized Evil spirits from Satan, a real being, had infected her to such a degree that she couldn't live a normal life. And it made, her, it, it made uh, living in society difficult for her. She was ostracized. She was desperate and alone. And her encounter with, the risen, with Jesus before the cross changed her life forever. Imagine what she's thinking. Oh, no. He's dead. Will they come back? I mean, what, what, just imagine their, their, their hopes are crushed. And <clears throat> the news of this Easter morning, the message from the angel, dissolves their despair. Verse 6, the angel says to the women, He's risen. See the place where they laid him. And so there they are, you know, the, the two Marys and Salome, and they're looking at the place of loss and grief. And it's changed. Because the death is no longer a death. Something else has happened. The place where they would be looking and seeing, expecting to feel again the pain of this one that we loved is gone. And his body's going to smell. They were coming to get the smell of decay away from the body. To preserve the one they loved even in death. And they look at the place of pain and loss and it's changed. Because Jesus isn't there. And I think that 
for us this morning, the reality of Jesus having been raised from the dead means that we can look at our places of loss and despair, of pain and suffering, and see them redeemed, see them transformed. It doesn't mean that the, the pain of watching the crucifixion goes away, but all of a sudden there's a new reality. Jesus is more powerful than my pain and my loss. And again, I don't talk about that this morning as one who's just lived a life without pain and loss. Um, when I was uh, 15 years old, my uh, sister Laurie was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And uh, she battled, uh, tried to live life with schizophrenia for the next 32 years. Um, there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of loss in my growing up years as a teenager. And I'll just be honest with you, if you've ever lived with someone with mental illness, the, the dozens and dozens of holidays and, and uh, family gatherings that were just ruined, lost, because she wasn't in her right mind. And yet, <clears throat> my sister died uh, two years ago. And there was again the loss and the pain and the, but God, why did you let it happen? And, and, and how, you know, what does this mean? But I can stand here this morning because Jesus rose from the dead. I can look at the place of loss and believe without a doubt that I will see my sister again. I know where Laurie is right now. I know what her faith looked like, even her disturbed faith. I know what that faith looked like. And I know that there will be a time, I'm I'm praying it will be many more years, but there will be a time when I stand uh, uh, before Jesus and at his side will be my sister Laurie. And I'll have a conversation with her and she'll be there. I won't look into eyes that are vacant and distant. I won't try to figure out who's talking. In fact, what I kind of imagine is that Laurie, the one who I felt like I had to care for for the last 30 years, will be caring for me. I imagine Laurie saying, "Okay, Randy, you got a lot to learn. (laughs) It's real different up here. Let me show you to your mansion. (laughs) That's what I imagine. And you know why that I can say that not because all the pain is gone, but because Jesus rose from the dead. And so the place of pain and loss can be redeemed, can be restored. It's true for me. It's true for you this morning. Maybe there is a place of pain and loss and you realize, God, I don't know how that will ever be redeemed or transformed. The reality of Jesus who beat once and for all, all pain and all loss means that you can see redemption. I don't know how it comes for you. But I know that God is the one that brings it because Jesus is alive. <clears throat> the resurrection means also that Jesus has gone before us. That Jesus, in the midst of our lives, that he walks before us. He goes where we're going. He knows where we are. The, um, I mean, it must have been amazing for these women, just the jolt of Um, the amazement at the tomb being empty, and then they encounter Jesus, and they realize that he's here. The scripture says, the angel says to them, you know, this one you're looking for, the one they crucified, he's not here. He's risen. And the angel says, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. You might think, well, that's kind of a throwaway verse, you know, what's the point of that? And, And I looked at it, and I don't know, I guess I'm a questioner at heart, like, God, why Galilee? Like, what was the point about Galilee? Why did the angel say he's going ahead of you to Galilee? I mean, why didn't Jesus just show up on the spot? Or why wouldn't they say we're going to have a big meeting in Jerusalem because this is going to be hot news, you know? The guy they killed is now alive. 
No, into Galilee. Because Galilee is the place where these women first encountered Jesus. Because Galilee is the place where these women grew up and lived day by day. Normal, average, maybe humdrum, maybe exciting lives full of the same joy and hope and questions that we have. Galilee is the place where Jesus first preached. Mark 1.14, it says Jesus came into Galilee and there he said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And so that was the first time there in Galilee, which, by the way, at that point was not the hot place to live. Okay, there in Galilee, Jesus comes in and says, there's a whole new age that has just arrived. It's the age of the king. And you no longer have to rule and reign over your own life. When Jesus said repent in Mark one, he he didn't mean just grovel in the dirt The word literally means change your mind. Jesus was just saying in Mark 1 in Galilee, you know what? There's a new kingdom here and you're not on your own anymore. You don't have to walk through life alone as the ruler of your own self because the king has arrived. That happened in Galilee. In Galilee, Jesus was baptized by John, showing humility and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in Galilee. In Galilee, these women watched a hand be healed the sight, uh, sight restored to blind people. Demons cast out. I'm sure, Mag- I'm sure Mary Magdalene remembered that one. In Galilee, water was turned into wine at a wedding reception. Jesus um, uh, encountered these women in Galilee. So when the scripture says, he's going ahead of you to Galilee, what I take from that is that Jesus is going ahead into the places in our lives, the everyday places of our lives where he wants to be a part of what we're doing. He's gone ahead of us. He knows what's coming. Jesus has already arrived at your workplace tomorrow. I just suggest you take the day off. (laughs) I mean, he'll do the work now. I wish it worked that way. No, God's in the eternal present. So Jesus is present to what you walk into tomorrow. Jesus is present to what you walk into this afternoon, that conversation. Some of you will have family gatherings today. Some of you will rejoice in them. Others will do other things in them. (laughs) And Jesus is already present at your family gathering. He's gone ahead of you into your Galilee, the normal place of your life. He knows what's happening. You know what he wants to do there? Resurrection hope. Redemption. Um, I'm a part of a a pastor's group in the city. So there are a number of pastor's groups that are sort of collected, but we meet in different places. And uh, every week for an hour and a half, I sit with some men and we just talk and share and, yes, confess our sins and pray for each other and for the churches that we serve. I don't know, 10 or 12, I don't know how many different denominations and types of churches represented by this larger group. And um, two weeks ago, one of the pastors, a friend of mine from Fishers, shared he was um, he was giving his uh, message. He was three minutes into his sermon. This is just a few weeks ago in Fishers and about three minutes in there was a, a woman let out a, lo- a, a really loud gasp. There were two nurses in the, in, the, in the sanctuary, and they said it was the gasp of death. So basically, three minutes into his life-giving message, this woman gasps her last gasp and, and falls down. 
And for two minutes, she w- there was no heartbeat. There were nurses there. There was a doctor. There was no heartbeat. She's dead on the floor in the sanctuary for two minutes. And um, so my friend, uh, and I have to just uh, really respect his boldness. I think at that point he said, probably should change the message now. He starts to declare life over her. Just from, from, from the front. He just says no to death and yes to life and begins to, to release the life, the resurrection life of Jesus into, into the woman's body. And he said by the time they had wheeled her out into the narthex, um, she was talking and laughing. They took her to the hospital and they could find no evidence of any heart attack, any seizure, no problems with her brain. She was dead for two minutes. I mean, this is what God does. He's gone ahead of us. My poor friend didn't know what was coming three minutes into his sermon. But that's a powerful message. And, and the message is that he's going ahead in front of you, too. I mean, doesn't so much of our anxiety come from we don't know what's coming next? And we fear the worst, right? Well, the worst may actually happen. But here's the good news. The king of kings is already there. Jesus has gone ahead of us into our Galilee and he wants to be with us everywhere that we go. God has gone before us already. Psalm 139, just a few verses. One of my favorites because this is God going ahead of us even before we were born. The psalmist saying to God the truth. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. This morning, some of us need to take that declaration and change the lie that the enemy's been telling you and declare before God the truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your, word, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Before you had a body, Jesus was present to it because he was there at creation. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I I imagine that Jesus is like this. He's reading the book of your life. And he's looking a few chapters ahead of where you are right now. And he's giggling. Is that okay? It's not sacrilegious, right? I bet Jesus giggled. He's giggling because he says, I can't wait till that one. I can't wait to see the look on their face. When I redeem that loss, when I restore that relationship, when I bring healing to that part of their life, I can't wait because he's gone before us into the everyday places of our lives. Paul in Acts chapter 17, he says that God has is actually working right now in your life so that you will seek God. Acts 17. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. God marked out your appointed time in history. I sometimes think, you know, I'm fiddling with a stupid blackberry and want to step on it. I think, man, I was, I was born in the wrong time. No, I wasn't. God appointed my time in history and yours too. And the boundaries of their lands. You know what that means? God decided you would live where you do right now. He knows it. It was written in the, in the book of your life before it ever happened. And why? It says God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out 
for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Whatever's happening in your life right now, the good or the bad, the joyful or the difficult, God is using it right now because he wants you to seek him. And that's whether you have a relationship with God or not. God's orchestrating your life that you would seek him. Because Jesus is risen, that means he's gone ahead of us. And we can trust that what tomorrow brings will not be too much for him to handle in us and through us. The word of the angel to the woman, women at the tomb is the word of God to us. Jesus has risen. Sorrow and loss can be transformed. And he's right now going before us because he's alive. And finally, the resurrection means that we get to see Jesus. We can see Jesus. Verse 7, the angel says to the women, you know, Jesus, the, the Nazarene, the one they crucified, you're looking for him, but he's not here. He's risen and he's gone ahead of you into Galilee. And then he's, the, the angel says, you will see him just as he told you. You will see him just as he told you because he's waiting for you in your life. He, he really wants you to see him. Imagine what the women felt on that morning. They're coming to the tomb to go back into their, their loss and their sorrow. And then Jesus isn't there and they start to get the inkling of hope. I can imagine them saying like, didn't he say something about having to die and come back from the dead? I, I just thought that was a bad analogy. What do you, what do you think? No, maybe it's really true. And didn't he say that he would appear to us? Didn't he say that we would see him? And so now the angel declares the same word that Jesus declared. I will see you there and you will see me. And the women uh, are amazed. The proof of our faith is not the absence of the body of Jesus in a tomb. The proof of our faith is the presence of God in our lives. It's the presence of God in your life right now. Whatever God might be doing so that you would seek him, so that you would know him, so you would be found by him, because in him you live and move and have your being. Matthew 28, now we're skipped to the end of the story in the Gospels, and Jesus has already appeared to the disciples, and uh, he's just about to, ready to go into heaven, to ascend into heaven. His work is done. And um, so uh, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, at this point, before the last line, I got to imagine the disciples are getting a little nervous. You know, we have a, a 10 month old dog. And um, when we start packing, like, you know, the dog can tell these people are about to vacate. And that's going to put me in a real bad spot. Our dog does not like to be alone, okay? And you can just see the nervousness. I kind of picture the disciples like that. Like, hold on. All authority? Go and make disciples? Wait, I thought you were the disciple maker. You're out of here, aren't you? I mean, I can just feel that. And they've got to be really scared. Like, all nations, teach them everything you taught them. I don't even remember what you taught me. I blew it over and over. That's the disciples. That's their real thoughts. And then Jesus says, oh, and by the way, last line, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And I have to believe that that disciple said, okay, 
this is a tough mission, but you're going to be with us. And I think God must have revealed to them some sort of faith that would say, okay, even though your body's going up, I know that you're going to be here. Because Jesus had said, when I go, I'll send another, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Because God wants us to see Jesus. He wants us to see and experience the presence of Jesus in our lives. Maybe for you, the presence of God is a scary thing. When I say you get to see Jesus, you think that sounds scary. Now, I'm not talking about him walking. I wish he would walk in. Talk about a powerful sermon. (laughs) I'd like to have an interview with someone I've recently met. His name is Jesus. I'm not saying you see him like that. I'm saying you, you get to see Jesus by his Holy Spirit's presence in your life. But maybe that's scary to you. Maybe the thought of encountering God, of, of seeing Jesus, of opening your heart to him is scary. Here's an interesting thing in the Bible. Anytime an angel shows up in the Bible, what, what, what's the angel's first words? It's always, don't be afraid. Why? Because it scared the bejeebers out of them. All right? But you don't hear Jesus saying that in that context as much. I mean, he does say it, but not when they first encounter Jesus. Because when people see Jesus in the New Testament, they encounter God in his love, in his grace, and in his mercy. Not in judgment, not in anger and wrath and condemnation, the way we might imagine. Jesus, fully God and fully man. And when people saw Jesus, they saw what God was really like. So a pastor in California, Bill Johnson, he says, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. You want to know the truth about God, read the Gospels. You'll see Jesus. You'll see the perfection of who God is. Not the things that you think of all the time, but the reality of God. People saw in Jesus the authority and the love of God. And so, though Jesus was powerful, he lived and walked in peace. And though Jesus um, was Lord, everything he did was in love. Because Jesus showed himself to people. And he wants to do it to us too. He wants us to see him. There's nothing that's changed my life more in the last 31 years that I've known God than the presence of Jesus in my life. Then to know, I mean, you know, I told you a little bit of my story uh, and, it, and there's plenty more. <laughs> but at 15, to be confronted with having to feel like I have to take care of the family as the youngest, there was just always the anxiety of I can't do it. I, I won't make it. I, I've got to somehow hold this together. And the only way I've been able to walk through life in a more healthy, in a, uh, in a more whole way is to know that I'm not alone, that Jesus is with me. And Jesus wants to be with you. He wants you to see him. And we see Jesus by acknowledging that he's God. And we see Jesus by believing that he not only lived a perfect life, died on a cross for us, but that God raised him from from the dead. That's faith. And we see Jesus by confessing before God the ways that we've tried to run and, let's be honest, ruin our lives apart from his perfect plan. We confess the sins that keep us from a holy God and we give them to Jesus at the foot of the cross. We see Jesus by asking him to come into our lives to forgive our sins and to change us 
to bring redemption to our loss and our pain. That's how we see Jesus. We see Jesus by trusting him with our lives. And, and we can do that because he's not in the tomb, because he's alive. Loss and, loss and pain can be redeemed. He goes before us and his presence is with us and we get to see him. So I want to close this morning. I think the band's going to come up and play one more song. But I want to close this morning with a real honest question to you. I started with those three categories. You, you might be fearful or you might be wondering. You might be filled with joy. I just wonder if there are any here this morning that walked in full of fear and with wonder. And at this point you realize I'm ready to experience the joy of actually seeing Jesus. So I'm going to ask if there's anyone here this morning who's willing to take the step from fear to faith. To actually move, recognizing that the next step on your journey in this wondering process is to look to, to, to God and say, God, work a wonder in my life and save me. Is there anyone here this morning for the first time you realize I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus? And if that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to call you by name. I won't make you come up and give a speech. I'd just like you to stand up to affirm your faith. Anybody here this morning for the first time? So from those places where we sometimes still have fear of what it will mean for God to be in our lives, and those places where we still wonder what God wants to do in and through us, and those places for some of us where we had joy at a time, knowing that we were saved and redeemed, but joy has slowly dissipated and we want to be filled again with joy that comes from the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Just uh, open your hands. I want to pray for us. God, I ask that you send your spirit of joy now. Your spirit of joy in the knowledge of the risen Christ. That same spirit that brought him back from the dead. Would you release new life into us this morning? New faith into us. And yes, awe and wonder into our lives. Holy Spirit, come and claim us again as your own and reveal again the heart of the Father to us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're uh, just going to close with one, uh, one more song. And I'll ask uh, some of the ministry, prayer ministry team and the elders to just come into the front row. Um, at the end of the, the last song if you'd like someone to pray for you about any of those things from today or about your questions about faith or maybe physical healing in your body then we would love to do so let's worship again as we close the service if you'd like someone to pray uh, for you or with you this morning you've got questions about a life of faith or you just want to ask God to do what only could God can do in your body in uh, your spirit in your relationships we'll have some prayer ministry team members up front would love to pray for you. Now go into the world with the hope and the power and the joy of the resurrection because Jesus is alive. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.